0: money fm 89.3 best of the breakfast huddle mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on money fm 89.3 Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Jack Dish, and Ryan Huang with you. Uh, we're going to talk about the business of toys right now. What a complex yeah. one.
1: Mm, yes, indeed. And I know a lot of collectors will be very excited about this. From conception to execution, it is indeed complex, as you said. And at every step, you'll actually need to consult a network of very highly trained professionals. Plus, you have to
0: have uh, working knowledge of multiple technical processes to ease the journey. In fact, Arnik's guess has done that right, and they've managed to expand their business at a fast rate over the past few years.
1: Yeah, homegrown toy collectibles recently announced that they have raised twenty million dollars. We're talking about Mighty Jacks. This was in their Series A plus funding, bringing its total funding to a whopping thirty-four point eight million US dollars. It's actually pushed the company's valuation. To over 200 million US dollars.
0: Well, the funding round was led by East Ventures. That's a venture capital firm based in Jakarta, known for investing in tech startups such as Tokopedia, and includes new investors uh, Mirana Ventures, Eastern Wind International, Pan Solar Ventures, and Teja Ventures. Let's find out more about this from Brian Tan, the Chief Strategy Officer for Mighty Jacks. Brian, good morning. Good morning. Wow, looking forward to this conversation. Uh, but first, tell us a little bit about Mighty Jackson. Are you yourself a toy collector?
2: Right. So, Mighty Jackson is a future culture company. Um, basically, we do a lot of uh, digital collectibles, uh, basically, physical uh, collectibles that connect to the digital experiences. So, it expands the whole uh, fandom, uh, how you enjoy uh, the different genres of, 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 of your favorite uh, pop culture.
1: Ah, so it's like omni-channel marketing in the business world, right? But in this case, you've got an omni-channel product.
2: You, you can say that because it's from uh, not just the, uh, the physical prospect of collecting your, your physical items, but also it allows you to connect to digital experiences such as content, uh, assets, and even uh, going virtual world with uh, your virtual avatars.
0: This sounds very complicated from just buying, you know, replica toys, Brian. Uh, I'm guessing it's quite complex when it comes to getting licensing.
2: Licensing, um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's an art of its own. But generally, uh, licensing, uh, the way it works is that you, you partner with uh, some of the, the big brands. For us, we work with F1, uh, Sesame Street, Netflix, NBA. Uh, so how it works is that typically they, they have some sort of a royalty program and you, you get on board. You work out a collaborative kind of a forecast and and then you work out some business terms. Uh, It is a bit complicated, but I think it's just part and parcel of of a licensing business.
1: Now, Brian, Elliot asked you earlier whether you're a toy collector yourself. And I'm actually quite curious about that. And if not, uh, what led you into this business?
2: No, yeah, uh, for me, I am a toy collector. I, uh, you know, I used to collect a lot of Legos and then uh, I went into uh, action figures, um, statues and add toys So um, so this is all part of play And not so much work <laughs> It's a rabbit
0: hole Wait till you get the vinyls It just yes, gets worse
2: explode,
0: yes. just gets worse, my friend Okay, cool uh, Let's talk a little bit About the impact of COVID-19 On Mighty Jacks Did you guys have to do anything To pivot? I don't know Supply chain issues, perhaps?
2: Yeah, the, the, it's quite interesting, though um, the, the COVID situation Basically, man a lot more people went online so in 2021 alone there's uh, like 40 million new internet users uh, uh, just in S, Southeast Asia and this pushes the internet penetration in the region to 75% so a lot of people are just turning to online experiences uh, streaming videos and finding entertainment because they're just stuck at home or they just you know don't want to go out go off out uh, because of that right we, we actually face an increase in demand for products by buying uh, toys, getting them shipped home, but but uh, on the downside, uh, because of of the um, pandemic, sometimes the factories in China may have unexpected closures or uh, stoppage because uh, there may be a little bit outbreak. So so in terms of the logistics side, uh, it's a little bit sometimes that's challenging. But I think it's quite the same for the you know for the for the industry in general, and um, shipping rates has also gone high. So so that's the downside of it. But the upside is that demand is is just you know, blowing sky high and everybody wants a piece of of stuff to be delivered to a house. So that's pretty cool.
1: We mentioned earlier that you recently announced the closing of 20 million U.S. dollars in Series A plus funding led by East Ventures. This has actually pushed your company's valuation to over 200 million dollars. We're talking U.S. dollars here. This is not the first time you have raised funds. Uh, Tell us how you allocated previous funds into the development of the business
2: so the previous funds were allocated uh, into a what well, we have a division called the the mighty meta it is a uh, business unit that focuses a lot on the metaverse uh, you know and, and, and we we've always been digital natives so we we understood that um, the future of the world was going towards uh, the digital uh, landscape uh, like right now we hear stories of people buying uh, um, Properties in the metaverse world, um, and you know, they're trading NFTs for millions of dollars. So the digital collectible landscape is is something that is becoming becoming very real. I mean, I mean, people are moving from from collecting physical products to uh, digital products. But we also believe that you can't just disengage from the physical experience. Like right? everybody still needs to, like, example, uh, go attend a con- concert in real life or uh, eat real food, or hang out with real people. So we've um, coined a digital experience where we we kind of bridge or blur the lines between uh, physical collectibles and the digital experiences Um, so that that was the part that uh, the initial funding was focused on building that capability
0: Okay. Building the capability is one thing, but would, what would you attribute all the other success to? I I would like to hazard a guess that during the pandemic, there was a rise in the interest of memorabilia. It could that
2: have contributed to this kind of interest? As mentioned earlier, that there was a rise in, in demand for of entertainment and consumption of, of content. So this all kind of propagated huge demand. For, for solutions like this. And, uh, and then I think that was a great time for us because we were basically in the line of uh, making pop culture collectibles. And we also offered that bridge to the digital experiences. So that, that kind of came in all nicely.
1: You know, you mentioned the metaverse earlier. And of course, we've also talked a lot about NFTs, the minting and the investments in NFTs as well on this show. The thing is, I speak to a lot of people who say they still can't really make sense of what to expect in the metaverse. So how would you explain it to people in order to get them excited about it? And also in a realistic fashion, you know, what really is this new organism going to be about and how do people stand to benefit here?
2: this one has always been a hot topic right and how do we explain something so complex Mm. in a simple way uh let me just give it a go right so nfts basically stands for non-fungible tokens and in the most simplistic way i can can explain it they are think, think of them as unique digital collectibles for example your email is unique no one else can have your email So so it's also in digital format, right? So it's similar to that concept. So uh, NFTs, it can be in a form of an artwork, it can be a game, but they're all digital formats and they are unique. So you could trade them, you could collect them, uh, just like you would with any other collectibles in real world. Now, in the metaverse, this is where increasingly more and more people are spending more time online, and they have online personas, they have online lives. Basically, they lead a secondary life in, in, in the digital space, right? And like, you know, in, in the past, right, for, for example, for myself, right, you know, we, we sometimes we, we want to buy a, a nice shirt and we wear it and we're like, wow, you know, I got a cool nice shirt, it's in fashion. But like my daughter, who's 15 years old right now, she's more interested in spending money on virtual items like a skin in a game rather than buying real clothes items. So that's kind of a transition into, uh, I guess, the metaverse, where people are tend tend to be living more time of their lives in those in, in the virtual world, and they are spending more time, more money, and also creating communities in the virtual space. So I, I guess that's pretty much how I'll explain it
0: what what does this mean then for mighty jacks when it comes to uh managing their talent i'm assuming correct me if i'm wrong i mean on one hand you've got to get the license like for example you've got these new back to the future yams that are on sale right so you've got these designs that are put out these sculptors that have to put it out but you want to kind of link it to the metaverse or nfts what does it mean for the people who have to create it is there a talent shortage
2: (laughs) Talent shortage. It's uh, it's yeah, you're you're right about that because it's such a new uh, industry yeah. in a way that yeah. you don't, you can't find someone that comes interview and say I've got twenty years experience. It's, <laughs> it's just impossible, right? So the talent is is a real shortage right now. But we are finding and we're expanding our market, especially into the um, Southeast Asia regions, uh, to be closer to home with with the the local culture. Uh, in terms of talent, typically. You know, the digital natives, uh, they have a good class of how things work in the Internet. And and there's a good um, starting ground to to kind of train them up and get them into where we are heading towards. So there's a lot of, I guess, focus uh, internally in Mighty Jacks to train and to open the minds and and to kind of uh, create uh, new uh, workshops and programs to help get our workforce to the right level that we need them to be.
1: Now, as you move towards increasing your presence in the digital space as well, and the metaverses you expanded upon earlier, you know, others have brought up Ethical questions about operating in such a world. I mean, you said that you know a lot of people will start to spend more time online. So, for one thing, people might be concerned. You know what then happens to the real world? And since you are in the digital space, have you thought about these issues? To what extent have you? And what are your plans on helping strike that balance with your products?
2: Great question. So, um, in the in the concept of digital, right? Well, we're trying to bring and link people back. Uh, to the physical world as well, and by versa. So, so there's a balance. So just to give you an example, um, let's say we are working on a F1 collectible, and uh, you buy a figurine of a favorite driver. And from this, so now you own the toy, and when you connect to our platform, you get access to uh, um, inv- invitations to exclusive events such as attending the actual night race or uh, attending a pop-up show activation. So this brings people also out into the physical world to interact again. And and then, well, you know, if you want to uh, unlock certain uh, access, you might need to buy more physical products and unlock them. So this is where we try to bring a balance of, of the, the physical and the digital integration because we do feel that even with all the trend and hype about uh, the, the metaverse, uh, uh, I, I guess the gap is there is that you can't do everything online and there still needs to be something um, physical and in the real world. So that's, that's how we try to balance by making sure that the experience we bring in is a nice balance of... Uh, digital drops but also physical invites and physical attendance of events and experiences
0: it's also the consumer psychology or psyche that's changed where they they want this value add you know whenever they purchase something right value that yeah in in the sense when you when you when you add a you have a physical item and you have the digital like the sort of a digital sphere and then you have the actual physical uh, event that you can attend it's like a value add
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's the old, way, old days, we would say, if you just buy a, a toy or collectible, <laughs> what, what the match can do is just leave it on the, on the shelf and it collects dust, and yeah. once in a while, you'll get it, right? But right now, we want the physical items to open a gateway to, to limitless possibilities. You can always pick it up, scan it, and see what's new in the in the digital world because we'll update the content in real time. So, uh, and, and that brings a, a big dimension to the whole game.
0: So from there, right, using that at that point, in the past, it was a limited edition toy. And then for some reason, they're able to calculate how the toy advances in value. So help me out here. Help me understand how do you value your products at this point And how do you ensure that that value increases, thereby making it an investment?
2: Well, one of the ways, um, it's the basic economy model, right? Where uh, its scarcity or the demand is higher than supply. So um, when it's limited edition, it just means that we, we try to make it lesser than how many people want it so there's there's is generally there's always less to go around and that's one way to increase the secondary market value and and because we, we sell direct to consumers or to our distributors we don't actually control uh, the secondary market value so we rely on on um, other secondary marketplaces like StockX X or, or eBay okay. uh, these, are the, these are the ones trading and they're driving a secondary market value up
1: I understand that you are expanding to Europe as well, right? I believe you might have alluded to it as well earlier. Tell us more about advancements in this arena. What is the European market like? What is it taking you to actually move that part of your expansion forward?
2: So the, um, we currently have offices set up in China, uh, LA, and London. And London is one of the most recent uh, offices we set up. And in fact, uh, the, the, the GM of, of London, Alex Neal, is dropping by Singapore uh, tonight, actually. So we're going to spend a week with him. Um, so the, the the reason why we invested into uh, the, the euro market is because uh, Europe has, uh, I feel, a, a large untapped Potential in terms of uh, the digital gap. It's very much uh, still consuming like uh, world IPs, such as um, the, the IPs from the Western world, like uh, uh, US, but also very much in the Japanese uh, IP side, the anime side of things. And so, you always, this is a large consumption of content. Uh, but, but I feel that there's not much uh, big brands or players in the Euro market that actually create uh, products or, or um, services like what we're trying to do here. So that's the reason why we started to invest in in, um, in Europe. And also we feel that there's a lot of uh, untapped IP potentials over there as well. Uh, oh. Like, for example, if I will ask you to name some, some brands or IPs, chances are uh, the name you drop will probably be a Japanese, a Chinese, or a um, US IP. But you probably can't think of U- uh, European IPs. But there are a lot, actually, like uh, Asterix and Obliques. So yeah. there are other IPs and, and Smurfs, for example. So, so these are the things that we are looking into expanding in Europe itself.
0: All right, uh, just a final question, and it's a fun one, Brian. Non mighty Mighty Jacks related. What's the most expensive toy you own?
2: Most expensive toy I own. I think it would be uh, my five-year-old son. He cost <laughs> me a lot of money to maintain. Uh, but Good from answer. problem
1: being... <laughs> is, he yeah, digital but... <laughs> too in terms of his presence.
2: <laughs> I, I think he's hundred percent digital, right? He doesn't look at me in the eye. He's just on his iPad all day. Uh, yeah, you have yeah, a problem, but, um,
1: Brian. You've got to you've got to resolve that one, huh?
2: I need to get him started on some digital toys, man, and get him back to the real world. But uh, I guess my my own personal collection, uh, the, one of the most expensive toys I have is this kind of a one-scale, uh, not one-to-one scale because that would be too big, but it's a half-scale Darth Vader statue, so it's, it's half the size of the actual one-to-one size. And that's pretty huge, yeah.
1: How much is it worth? Uh, it's
2: pretty rare. I haven't checked the last, but I think it should be a couple of grand at least. Yeah, but I haven't really been keeping up to the uh, you know time with how how much is is valued now. It's just it's one of those that you you don't get you can't buy from the stores. I actually had to um, uh, convince a store owner to to let me ha- have it. I I think it was meant to be a store decoration. Okay,
0: okay, but at that size, how much does your wife think it's worth?
2: <laughs> uh, my wife, that's the thing the, the 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 stories we tell with wife is that Oh, it's not that much And uh, you know, one of the nightmares Or the worries we have is uh, One day when we do pass along Pass away, you know, example and, and you know, the wives actually take it And sell it at the value we told them That would be a grave mistake Yeah, but by the way I, I, Can I just take this quick time uh, Quick chance to also uh, You know, you guys mentioned that East Ventures was uh, one of our lead investors yeah. I want to take this chance to uh, Have a big shout out to Wilson and Inway For making it happen Thank you guys
1: All right, and thank you, Brian, for joining us this morning. Brian Tan, Chief Strategy Officer of Mighty Jacks. You stay safe and take care, Brian.
2: Take care, guys. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts
0: at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.